We'll turn to John chapter 3 for our thoughts tonight. The last Sunday evening that I had the privilege of being in the pulpit here, we were looking at the matters, began a series of matters dealing with the authentic gift of life that we receive through the Lord Jesus Christ. The first message in that series was about the seed of the word, the word of God being the seed that is necessary for the growth of that plant of salvation in our lives. Tonight I'd like to follow that with a second thought about the start of the Christian life. How does it start? When does it start? And uh, we can follow that up with later words starting with S2. The scriptures are very strong on the seal that we receive when we come to Christ, the seal of the Holy Spirit. And it speaks of the song that is put into our hearts by the coming in of the Son of God. There are signs in, in our lives that signify when we have received Christ and there are strengths and things. There's many S's that we can apply but just tonight I'd like us to look briefly at um, this man who the Lord Jesus deals with so helpfully in John chapter 3. We all know him. We all know that he's um, a man of great standing in the community, one of the religious leaders of the day. And I'll read those first 16 verses of the chapter and uh, we'll probably only be able to have a um, brief outline of, of this message tonight. But it's important that we've got this background right. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now the chances are that every one of us in this room has come to know the Lord Jesus. Looking around the the handful of us who are here, I would say that we are all believers in him. So it crossed my mind, is it significant that we go through these scriptures and look at this matter of how the start of the Christian life comes about? And I think it's significant for each of us, particularly in relation to when we're dealing with somebody who is a potential um, Christian, somebody who we're trying to witness to, trying to share the gospel with, trying to lead them to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This was a deeply religious man and uh, we'll sometimes have the opportunity of dealing with people who are very religious people. Um, Sometimes it'll be those who come knocking on your door who represent the uh, Jehovah Witness faith and so on. Still people who, although they've got very strong views, um, they are people who are vulnerable to be born again of the Spirit of God if they are seriously seeking him. And it's evident from this passage that we've just read that Nicodemus was a man who was looking for what he did not have. He was an accomplished leader. He was a taught scholar. He was a man who the Lord Jesus in that passage described as, are you the teacher of Israel? In, In some translations, a teacher. But in the New King James Version, the teacher. So probably a man of exceptional capability, but yet there's a depth of longing in his heart. And we've dealt a couple of times, morning and evening, um, in recent months, with the very real danger that uh, Dr. Isles mentioned again this morning of a person being religiously inclined and religiously active and religiously well taught, but facing that awful position in due time, presenting themselves before the Lord and saying, I never knew you. It had never started properly. The the matter of salvation had never been effectively dealt with. So let's have a look at it. Just a few headings I'd like to share to help hang our thoughts on tonight. And the first of them, again, is something that's been touched on previously today. There must be a sense of need of the Lord Jesus Christ. There must be a registration that I have something lacking. We'll look at it under a few headings. First of all, the fact that, naturally speaking, we are blind in sin and therefore we need newness of life. We are bound in sin and therefore we need newness of life. We are born in sin more fundamentally and therefore need the Lord to release us. So we'll look at those three basic needs. First of all, a man is blind in sin and needs our Saviour. Now this, if we're 
if we're ever speaking to somebody who is well-educated, who is respectable in the community, we're not talking about the necessarily people who are down and out and so on, who are, have obvious needs. And um, we've got some lovely examples of such people coming to Christ. But this is your respectable neighbour. This is our um, relative who lives a good life, is a professional person or a, an active member of the community, a, a person who has characteristics like that. Well, the Lord Jesus' words are, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God without divine life coming in. That dear one who we're praying for, who we're dealing with, who we're seeking to witness to, that person needs to, be, to have that sight granted to them to see their need. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 we read, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. When we're seeking to share the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, we need to, it needs to be bathed in prayer. This is something that needs the work of our Lord the Holy Spirit. In, in, in the second letter to the Corinthians, Paul says at verse 4 of chapter 4, that their minds, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. There is a blindness. There is an inability there to grasp these issues. And the Lord Jesus was telling uh, this good man, this fine man, this outstanding scholar, that he needed to see this matter of sin. We're blind to sin and we're bound in sin. Except a man be born again of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He's bound out of it. He's held out of it until this matter of newness of life comes about. We've got to understand the, that these things are spiritually brought about. His religionism, his religiosity can't help him. His traditionalism is not going to help him. His denominationalism is not going to help him. His um, correctness in, in um, discerning theological truths is not even going to help him until he's brought to the place of calling upon the name of the Lord to be saved. So the second thing is that we are bound um, by our sin. I mean, we only have to think back about our own experience, how um, we, we were... And many times we have um, an individual weakness that continues to um, lead us astray, even in our Christian walk, and we need to call upon the Lord for his enabling grace and his deliverance from that sort of thing that binds us, that has been a stumbling block to us time and time again. Well, it's certainly true of a man who, or a woman who has not yet come to Christ. And it's a very, very difficult thing um, for a person to acknowledge that they are powerless to release themselves from the grip of sin. It, and it's, it gets right back to the basic thing that we are actually born in sin and shape and iniquity. The Lord Jesus deals with that here too. 
that which is born of the flesh is flesh. It's no use our, our flesh trying to do um, something that's going to make us right with God. We can't do it. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And Paul tells us in one, also in 1 Corinthians 15 that uh, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So we, what we're pointing out here, the starting point for Christian life is an acknowledgement of a thoroughgoing um, need that is existent in me when I am born into this world. And it's something that our proud humanity has great difficulty in coming to terms with. We had um, experience of it in our own family um, it's some time ago now, but um, one of our daughters-in-law was brought up in a, a non-Christian home but a, a very respectable, um, professional home. Um, she had been a brilliant scholar at school. She finished up being the ducks of her school, but she was always doing her best to um, represent her family and to um, behave herself as well as she knew how and to work diligently part-time and so on um, and became ducks of the school as well as um, as well as cap and captain as well as ducks of the school she gets to university where she was encountered a group of christian uh, students and um, she could not grasp she sim intellectually she could not get her mind around the need for a saviour because she knew that she was doing the best she could. She was being the daughter that, she, that her mum and dad wanted her to be. She was being the scholar that her teachers wanted her to be. She was being a good citizen um, and now she was at university. And it, the issue for her was why do I need a saviour? I don't know anybody who is um, who I should um, say I want them to be my example. She was doing her darndest to uh, please those around her and do what was seen as right in society. This very issue had to be resolved for her. And once she could see, once it became clear to her that we are before a holy God, that blessed holy, holy, holy God in whose sight our righteousnesses, the best we can do, the very prime actions and activities and achievements of us are like filthy rags. Until she could come to that conclusion and see the, the contrast between and the great gap between the glorious God who we are answerable to and who has made us, and who's provided salvation for us, and our own lives, then the need was, once that was established, then the reasonableness of calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus for salvation became clear to her. So that's, that's point number one. If, it's going to, if we're going to help a person to the start of the Christian walk, this this great phrase of the Lord Jesus, you must be born again, has to be 
one way and another, or many ways, conveyed to the person because there's a reason that you've got to be born again. The nature that we've got is not acceptable to God. On the contrary, it's an offence to him and it's like filthy rags in his sight. Well, that's the first thing, that need a sense of need for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think as we reflect back on our own conversions, each of us, you think back, how was it that we came to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus? It was when we were aware of sin, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have. We need to acknowledge that. This good young lady, this well-behaved young student needed to acknowledge that there was a wrong attitude of heart. There was a, 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 an attitude that was independent of the life and the purposes of God and so on. There was a desire to promote oneself and so on and to be able to admire oneself. Well, that needs to be dealt with, this whole issue of a sense I can see my need for Christ. The second step, there has to be a step of faith. A sense of need and then a step of faith. The Holy Spirit has to be involved in this step being taken and it's his work to bring that about. As a child, um, I... I had an experience with um, my sister teaching me to swim that um, is a bit like the exercise of faith. My big sister took me onto the, um, the foreshore of, at the Maroochee River where it comes lovely uh, sandy bank leading out to water maybe up to a little fella's belly or a bit further um, where we could swim and dog paddle around but a little further and it drops down into a channel, a very sharp drop. The channel was a dangerous place um, and we kept clear of it. But my sister's encouragement to me was, you can dog paddle a bit here, you can float and dog paddle in here, why don't you venture out into the deeper water? And um, that was a challenge to um, be able to trust her advice and having proved that I can dog paddle in the shadow, shallows to then go out into the deep water. There's a sense of exhilaration about trusting yourself as a kid to something like that and in a, in a way the step of faith, that true faith, that, ex that real faith of which we heard this morning is a bit like that where we simply trusting thee, Lord Jesus, trusting only thee, trusting thee for full salvation, great and free. Now that's what the point that we need to help our friends and those who we're witnessing to, to come to. And the Lord Jesus indicated it here in, what, in his words to uh, Nicodemus. He said, the wind blows where it lists and you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it come from and where it's going. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. And commenting on that, Stephen Alford says, 
Man can no more control life from above than he can govern the light breezes in the treetops. It's the sovereign power and prerogative of the Holy Spirit alone to produce this new life in those who are sensitive to his promptings. This is why it is so serious to resist him when he strives with us. To refuse to offer may mean the damning of our souls. God warns, my spirit shall not always strive with men. I think for those of us who want to witness a good confession of the Lord Jesus and help others to come to faith in him, this reminds us very forcibly of the importance of prayer for those with whom we are dealing, that we should be covering, saturating our contacts with such people in prayer because we can, we can say what we will. We can even quote the word of God, but it takes the Holy Spirit of God to use that word to bring conviction of sin and righteousness and judgment. I think I quoted some time ago a friend Jim Duffercy from the open air campaigners of long ago. And Jim was down in this district and um, in conversation he made the very telling phrase, statement, if I can talk somebody into it, somebody else can talk them out of it. We're not involved in winning arguments in this sort of thing. This is not an intellectual contest. It involves the exercise of our minds it involves the exercise of our will, but it is a work of the Spirit of God to bring a man or woman or young person under conviction of their need and to bring them to Christ. The Holy Spirit has to bring about that change. You might recall the um, comments by dear Stephen when uh, recorded for us in Acts 7 where he outlines the history of God's dealings with his people and how many times they were resistant to his word. And he calls them, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, and so on. We're, we're dealing with a matter that is spiritually um, accomplished and not by the strength of character or the power of my argument. Paul is very strong on this matter of his presentation being in the power of the Spirit of God. We cannot achieve newness of life by personal effort um, and we can't impart it to another person or, or force it on them or compel them in any way. It's a work of God's Spirit. We can resist and so can our friends resist or neglect God's warnings in our hearts. The spirit needs to produce this newness of life. <clears throat> and the second aspect of that matter of taking the step of faith is the saviour must provide that life. The saviour went on to say to him, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have eternal life. 
the Saviour has provided the means and that's what the means that we need to present to our unsaved friends. The example our Lord and Saviour used here is it was a very compelling part of uh, the history of the nation. You recall the situation. They had sinned greatly during the wilderness years. Um, they were they were being un- they were under God's judgment, being stricken by um, a plague of snakes, deadly snakes. And in response to um, Moses' plea to the Lord, he uh, instructed that a brass serpent be put up, and that it, whoever was bitten looked at the ser- serpent and lived. Now, that must have seemed a stupid thing to do. I look at a serpent, am I going to be made well? Like Naaman, if I dip myself seven times in, in the river, am I going to get rid of my, of my um, leprosy? The, the thing is that our Lord has provided the means of our salvation. God has so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and our responsibility is pointing them to him. They remember the, the words in John chapter 1 when um, he came unto his own and his own received him not but as many as received him. And there's simplicity about the steps that are involved here. The Lord's provided this newness of life and we for our part and our friends for their part need to humbly come to him. We speak about um, receiving Christ as Saviour. That's biblical from John chapter 1. We talk about yielding our hearts to him. That's absolutely biblical as well. But the sinner must come to him to really personally possess eternal life. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The matter of that, the importance of that word believing was touched on again this morning as well. In the one of our translations, I think it might be the um, Amplified Version, it speaks of believing in, trusting in, and relying upon our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, believing in him, hmm, the devils also believe and tremble. They know that he's, they, have, they know, know of his existence, they know of his greatness, they know of his power and authority, and they tremble at it. But we're speaking about believing in, trusting in, and relying upon, personally yielding my life and calling upon him for his salvation. We've got... Um, we had a recent situation where we'd been praying for a young lady in her mid-twenties for quite some time and um, by God's grace she came to a personal saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, not long after, some time after, um, she and her former group of girlfriends got together at their invitation to her to join with their group and she went to the little party thing that they had arranged which 
in former days she would have been into like a rat up a pipe. But now she felt awkward, difficult. This, this was not her environment anymore. A work of grace had occurred. Transformation had taken place in her life and her taste, her um, pattern of life had changed, but so had that which was pleasant for her. And so she now, being the possessor of newness of life, was manifesting that by the different attitude to the things that had been her joy before or her pleasure before. My wife had an uncle who was a, um, a prisoner of war in, in Changi prison um, during the World War II and after the war he was a shattered man. He was a mess. He became, in fact, he became a hopeless drunkard and a vile man. He'd been brought up by Christian parents, but he was a bad man. You wouldn't have wanted your children to be anywhere near him or have him in your house. And by God's grace, he was brought to know the Saviour and transformed. And this same man then, whose habitat had been the local pub, now he's down at the local pub to see his old mates and tell them about his transformation. He's able to meet them, not to not to for their fellowship in that old sense, but to share with them the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. When Christ does come in, when the start is made to this newness of life, there are manifestations of it. The change is palpable in some lives. In his, it was, it, was trans- it was magnificent. He was a man who would then walk around with a, a little thing playing Christian music. He'd want to talk to the kids about the Lord Jesus Christ. He'd want to talk to us about the Lord. He'd want to be, he was just full of the joy of the Lord, a man released. I mean, it's very spectacular in that situation. The lifestyle is changed. But we're talking tonight too about the lifestyle of the Nicodemuses of this world, the good blokes, the well-behaved citizens, the people that you and I are most likely to interact with um, in our normal uh, lifetime. And so just making those two points, I was going to go on and speak a little bit more about the signs of life in Christ and and we'll perhaps deal with that at another time. But these important issues, and we need to know that they are big issues, they're the problem issues for a man or woman or young person who is realising that there's a big lack in their life, as he did coming to the Lord Jesus to talk about things spiritual, obviously something missing. There's many people in that respect in our community and in our circle of friends and acquaintances and relatives who need the help of us in explaining, in presenting God's word and living before them but also in praying for them that the eyes of their understanding will be opened to grasp this issue of I am a sinner condemned already unless I come to the Lord Jesus for, my, for salvation. 
we need to grasp that that is a big thing for people. We, we're used to talking about it. In, our, in, in, in churches, we, of course we know that, but it's a hard thing for those outside to grasp. It is a very hard thing for good, in inverted commas, people to come to terms with. So that matter of sense of need and the importance of the step of faith trusting the Lord Jesus, to know that there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So those are just a few thoughts that come out on this matter of the commencement of the Christian life, the authentic Christian life, not just getting a person to um, subscribe to a set of um, uh, creedal um, beliefs and so on, but to have belief that is faith, trusting in, relying upon our Lord and Saviour for their personal transformation. Heavenly Father, we are very grateful to you for the means by which you have brought those of us who belong to Christ into this blessed place of being yours and yours forever of none being able to pluck us out of your hands once we have come and received newness of life by being born again of your spirit. We want to thank you, Lord, for the people who you brought across our way. We want to thank you for the faithful teaching of your word. We want to thank you together for the work of our Lord, the Holy Spirit, who brought us under conviction and made us concerned about our eternal well-being. And we want to thank you for the Saviour who paid the price for our salvation and who is the joy of our life from day to day. We commend each other to you as we go forward into this new week. We pray that you will have um, that joy in our hearts and expressed in our lives and through our lips as we have opportunity to share with others the wonders of this so great salvation that brought us out of darkness into your marvellous light, that has given to us that inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, which is reserved in heaven for us. So, Lord, we commend each other to you and ask you to take us forward in the fullness of your blessing. For Christ our Saviour's sake. Amen.